Jesus talked about the days of Noah often in relation to the end times. He equated that in the end it would be as in the days of Noah. But do you know about the hidden prophecy in the story of Noah Jesus was referring to? You see, Jesus understood and he told us that we need to look to the story of Noah for us to better understand end time deceptions as well as our purpose in God's kingdom today. So join me as we dig into just a portion of the story of Noah. God came to Noah, told him to build an ark because the world was going to be judged with water. All the animals had to be gathered into the ark. As the water approached, the people of the world were swept away as Noah and his family and the animals were saved. And as they are in this boat, being rocked by the waves of this judgment upon the earth, no one now has to determine when do we know when we can return and when we can open this ark. And so what the first thing that Noah does as he is led by the spirit to do is he takes birds. And the first bird that Noah takes is a raven. Now, this is very interesting because the second bird he takes is a dove. And in the bird kingdom, in, in all, within the species of birds, a raven and a dove sounds like opposites, don't they? The raven being a, a scavenger, a, a very dirty kind of bird. And then we have a dove. We think of a dove as being beautiful, clean. And so why does God lead Noah to pick these two birds? Everything that God does. He does for a reason and it's no different here. You see what we read in Genesis 8 verse 6, he says at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. So this raven is sent out and it just stays outside flying to and fro, as it says, until the waters dried up. And then finally, it obviously found a place to rest as the waters were dried up, but it kept going to and fro on the earth. What does the raven represent? For us to really understand, we need to think about what the scriptures described or who the scriptures described as being one who goes to and fro. Uh, we read, for example, in the story of Job, Job, in this story, God describes Satan. He, he speaks about Satan and Satan tells him what he's been up to. He says, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered to the Lord and said, from going to and fro upon the earth and from walking up and down it. Could it be that there is a connection between the raven going to and fro until it finded a dry place and 
Satan, who, as he describes himself as being one who goes to and fro upon the earth. Let's look at another example. In Yeshua, he describes in Matthew 12 demons and he describes them as going to and fro upon the earth again. And he says in Matthew 12, 43, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, he passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. So similarly, demons go into and seeks an ultimate dry place and and just goes to and fro upon the earth, finding no place to rest. And another example we could look at is how Jesus talked to the Pharisees. And he described the end times and connected it with being a period of to and fro. We read in Luke 17, 20, being as by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look here or look there for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Verse 23, and they will say to you, look here, look there, do not go out and do not follow them. So Jesus is saying here that the kingdom of God is not the kingdom that is one of look here, look there, going here, going there. But he says the kingdom of God is within believers. And he contrasts it with the world, and that is Satan's kingdom. And he says, when they come to you and they say, look here, look there. He says, do not go out to them. Do not look to them. Do not follow them. A stark contrast is created here. You see, Satan's kingdom is one of looking, going to and from. He is one where he seeks to distract people by showing false wonders, false hope, false promises, false solutions. All of these attention grabbing things is what the enemy deals with to distract the people upon the earth. But to distract them from what? The thing that God is doing. You see, Yeshua said the kingdom is within. And he says, do not look there and there out there, because that's what the enemy is doing. He's trying to distract you away by what your senses are seeing and and by the world and by everything the world has to offer. And when we're so indulgent in that and in the pleasures of that, we will miss the kingdom within us that Yeshua says, he says, that's where the kingdom of God is. In Luke 17, 26, Yeshua goes on and he says the following, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the son of man. They were eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage until the days when the Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. In the days of Noah, people mocked at Noah. They did not believe that he was a prophet sent from God and that he had a true word to deliver to them, that there was going to come judgment upon these sinners. And so they continued with their normal day to day up until the point where the waters came and swept them all away because they were 
being distracted by the craftiness of Satan. They were, they were looking upon the things of the world. And look, he's talking about marriage, being given in marriage. He's talking about um, uh, uh, eating and drinking. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. We all, uh, none of us think there's anything wrong with marriage. None of us think there's anything wrong with eating. None of us think there's anything wrong with drinking. However, the problem was that Satan was using even mundane things, things that looked innocent, to to distract people from, to create this illusion that everything is okay. Just continue in your everyday things. Nothing wrong necessarily with those everyday things, but but continue in them with with no regard for the judgment that is coming. Just 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 forget about it. Don't look to that. Just be ignorant of that. Why? Because as long as we're ignorant to the coming judgment upon the world, as long as that's happening and we have blinders on and we're blinded to that, we will not be preoccupied with his kingdom, with God's kingdom. Instead, we would just be preoccupied with the things of this world. And this is what Yeshua, this is why Yeshua is pointing us to the story of Noah. He is pointing us to a deeper revelation of, look, it's, you know, people have always understood that, yes, you know, the people, they were ignorant. They continued in their everyday things until the, the, the flood swept them up. And that's good and fine. But what you, we need to remember is that the whole point of this illusion, this distraction, that everything is okay, don't worry. The whole point of it is actually to blind us to the fact that this world is passing away. This world is dying and this world will be destroyed on a coming day. And everything that you see here, everything that you put your hand to, everything that you do, all things will ultimately come to nothing and pass away. And all things will be made new again. And so he is, the point is that as vast and interesting and distracting as this world can become, we need to be careful to not become so, so attached that we get detached from the reality of the coming kingdom of the Messiah. And above all else, the fact that that kingdom has already started to invade this world through believers, because the kingdom of God is within them. And it is their responsibility to manifest his kingdom in this world so this world can get a taste of that kingdom of God so that they, like when they heard Noah, they would hopefully listen, hear and obey and repent of their sins. And so as Satan was caused from heaven and ultimately went to and fro on the earth, looking for someone to deceive. You know, he deceived Adam and Eve and he has deceived much of humanity throughout the ages. And that is where he was sent in the beginning. But now the question is, what is God going to do about the raven, if you will, upon the earth? And see, this raven being sent out by Noah is a picture of how Satan was cast out of heaven and how Satan was on the earth. But now what is God's solution going to be? 
The next thing that Noah continues to do is send out a dove. And we read in Genesis 8 verse 8, Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters have subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. And she returned to him in the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. So it's interesting. Noah next takes a dove. He lets it go outside and the dove, it goes outside, but it founds no, no place to rest because the waters had not receded from the earth. The waters upon the earth at that moment represents God's judgment for God judged the world with water in the flood. So now, because judgment is on the earth, the dove is forced to return still. This is a picture of what occurred at Mount Sinai. You see, at Mount Sinai, God's spirit, the dove, descended upon the mountain. And as Israel was at the base of the mountain and God's spirit was on the top of the mountain, there was a problem. God's spirit could not fall on all people because the world was still under judgment, the judgment that sin brings. The Messiah, Jesus, had not died for the world yet, and they had no remission of sins. And in that place, Moses in the Exodus account even says himself in Numbers eleven twenty nine, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets so that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses yearned for a coming day where the spirit of God would be put on all of the people instead of a select few, a prophet here or an elder there. This was not possible because the people as a whole were unholy and no Holy Spirit could indwell them. This is the prophetic picture of the dove being sent out. It was sent out, but because of the water that was still on the earth, the judgment that people were still under, the dove found no place to rest and the dove returned to the ark where Noah was. But what happens next? is amazing. He waited another seven days and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark and the dove came back to him in the evening and behold in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. The first interesting thing to note is that there is a seven day wait from when the dove was first sent out and found no place to rest to where it is sent out the second time. The number seven in this seven day wait is very significant. The Sabbath is the seventh day of rest. And when Jesus was here, he called himself the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the seventh day, because he is that rest of salvation. And so what I'm trying to say here is that in this seven day wait, God is giving us a hint. There is a picture 
that is about to be given to us that points directly to the Lord of the seventh day, Yeshua. And so what happens is we see the dove is sent out and he finds a place to rest and he gets a freshly plucked olive leaf and he returns it to Noah in the ark. This gives two messages to Noah. The first being that the land is busy drying up. It's not completely dry yet, but there is there. It's starting to dry up. The, the waters are 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 recessing there. It's drying up. In other words, judgment is coming to an end as the first message. The second is that soon the ark of Noah can be opened up because that's the point of the dove going out to see how is it out there? Can we open up the ark yet is basically what they're trying to determine. So now we see that we have this ark that may almost be opened as Noah is thinking. But what we need to see is that Noah's ark is a picture of the ark of the covenant as well. You see, within Noah's ark, there is it is full of life. The world outside is under judgment and flooded and there is only death. But within the ark is a sanctuary and within it is a life. All the animals, Noah and his family, all of the earth's life, if you will, is contained in that ark. And that's the same way it was when the Ark of the Covenant was on the face of the earth as God gave it in the wilderness and so forth. The world was dark and fallen. Man was separated from God because of their sin. But but within the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is, that is the place where all life is and flows from just like Noah's Ark, and but it is all contained within and it cannot exit it because the world is fallen and the world is unholy and the world is under judgment. And in the in the Holy of Holies by the Ark of the Covenant, the spirit of God is there and the truth, the law of God is there. But now the olive leaf returning in the mouth of the dove signifies that something is happening soon. There is an anticipation building up that we can soon open the ark, that we can soon exit, that something is coming. And when you go to your New Testament and you look at where is it, where is it where there is an announcement that something is coming? It's John the Baptist. He comes up and he says in John 1 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Something is going to happen with this man. Something special. Something that has never happened before. And as he, Yeshua comes to John, John baptizes Jesus under the water. He comes out. And as that happens, a dove comes and lands on him. And from heaven it is spoken by the Father. Behold, 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, declaring the arrival of something. And so as that dove lands on Yeshua, this is the picture because Yeshua is the olive tree. Yeshua is that tree, if you will, that the dove lands on. And as the dove eventually returns to Noah, and this is the sign that there is, there is a solution and that the ark can almost be opened, Noah gets excited because it means that God has brought forth a solution to the judgment that's right now upon the earth. But let's read on what happens next in the story of Noah. In Genesis 8.12, he waited another seven days. And he sent forth the dove again, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Jesus eventually would die and raise from the dead. And as he does, it has two consequences. Firstly, the veil is torn to where you would usually enter to find the Ark of the Covenant. But as that is torn, access is restored and the Ark is opened, if you will. Just like with Noah, the Ark is opened and all life, all the animals and Noah and his family, all life can come back into the earth. And so the similarly, as Yeshua dies, he tears the veil and the Ark, if you will, symbolically speaking, is opened and all life can enter back into the earth. Because remember what Yeshua says, it is good that I go for my spirit to descend, for the dove to come again. And that is what this time it represents when Noah sends out the dove the last time and the dove does not return. Why does the dove not return? Because the waters had completely dried up. The judgment is completely over, if you will, upon all humanity in that he has made a way. Yeshua, Jesus has made a way. He has broken the curse and made a way for humanity to come back to the Father. And there would be nothing in the way for a man to come to him anymore, except for him to just come and repent of his sins and turn back to the Father. And so as the ark is opened, if you will. We have the Holy Spirit no longer restrained, if you will, or limited to be inside there away from man who is outside the tabernacle. But now it is able to enter the temples of men and women of God, believers. And this is what Yeshua meant. When he said this kingdom of God is not one of look here, look there, go here, go there. But it is not and it's not one of observation, but it is the kingdom that is within you. That's what he means. This he knew that his death, burial and resurrection would mean that the spirit would bring the kingdom of God inside of believers. And now this changes everything, brothers and sisters, because you become like that play, that sanctuary, that place where people can come, that ark, if you will. Just like Noah had an ark, 
Put yourself in his shoes. You have your own ark. And there is going to come a judgment upon the world again. The first judgment was with water with, upon the world. And Noah's ark saved Noah and his family. But the second judgment, God says, will be one of fire that is going to come upon the earth. And you have an ark. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you are like an ark where people can come to safety. When they can come to you, they're supposed to be meeting a part of his kingdom. They're supposed to be getting a taste of who Yeshua Jesus is. And when they get that taste, they would want to be like, I want a part of this. Can I board this ark too? And as I speak symbolically, I hope you understand what I'm saying. You are the vessel by which God's spirit moves upon the earth. And brothers and sisters, the second judgment of fire is coming. But believers in him will be made fireproof. We will be we will be protected because he has made us holy and clean. But there are people in this world who aren't holy and clean, not because and this is not because of our own works, but it's because they have not accepted him. And it is your duty and responsibility to be this light to the world where they would see the fire in you and be like, what is it about you that you burn differently? There is something about this bush that you are that burns and burns and you don't burn out and you're like fireproof and and there is a coming judgment upon the world. And I don't know if my soul can bear it and I need to become holy and clean by what Yeshua did for me, too. That's what you need to inspire in the hearts of men and women who do not know him in this time. And if you have been following what I have been telling you, you would now notice that none of what I have said has really been that we are made clean and holy and 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 worthy of our and of ourselves to receive his spirit, to become a temple. Like what have I to offer of one of myself? Nothing. I am like a man of unclean lips who utters destructions, but he makes me clean. Like with the coal on the lips, he makes clean. That is what he does. And that mercy extends to me, he extends to you and and he extends to all. But will you communicate that to them? Because the world doesn't know that they have a way back to God. Many of of them believe that they are separated and that they are so unclean deep inside. They feel so ridiculously unclean because of the things they've done. They feel like there's nothing that God could possibly do to get them back and that God would never forgive them of their pasts. But what if you Going into the world, one of your primary purposes is to communicate God's mercy and his kindness upon a soul as deep in the pit of sin as you can get, that he would go and forgive even such a person. That's what the world really needs to hear above the pointing of the finger. Because many of them would come back if they only knew that there was possibility truly to do so if they got introduced to the true character, the true character of who the father is, that you 
that it's in your ability to communicate. And so just as the dove landed on the olive tree first on Jesus at his baptism and came back with a branch, so he has sent out a second time to land on all believers who are a part of the olive tree, who are, as Paul mentioned in Romans, grafted into the olive tree, that root being Yeshua, Jesus. And so you become this part of Israel. You become one with Yeshua, indistinguishable from him. And so I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, what Yeshua said. They, he said that they will say, the world will tell you, look here, look there. Go here, go there. As the time goes on and as the end draws near. And I want to submit to you that that's happening today. The world is trying to distract people left and right with all kinds of things that seem really interesting, but it distracts from the kingdom within. You see, the solution to not go here and not go there, Yeshua tells us the opposite of that. And the solution is to focus on the kingdom within you and to manifest ultimately and walk out that kingdom within you and to be busy with Yeshua's business. In other words, to continue what he has done when he was here. When he was here, he was bringing freedom and deliverance to people. And so when you are here, you continue that mission. He did not come and leave. And now we're just kind of waiting for him to come back and fix all a bunch of stuff. Yes, he's going to come and do that. But in the meantime, you also have a a responsibility and a calling to continue in what he has started. That's the purpose of why he left the Holy Spirit for you. It wasn't just for you to understand the Bible better. It was for you to become like him in power and might and freedom to the world for that kingdom within you to manifest. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come, Lord, with your spirit and fill us with your power, your might, your glory. Father, I pray that you would put a confidence in everyone listening about the spirit that you have sent to be within them. Help us all to become like an ark and like Noah, declaring the, to the world that there is judgment coming and that there is freedom that they have access to through Yeshua. Father, help us. Lord, to open up to the world and make it welcome for them to come in. Lord, help us to communicate this gospel message, this good news to the world, that they don't need to die, but that they can have freedom. I pray, Lord, that you would th I thank you, Lord, that you forgived us, that you made a way for us. And we ask that you would make us holy and clean. And Father, if there's anyone listening right now, if you're listening to me at the sound of my voice and you don't know him and you've listened to this message and you're like, well, I, I don't know that I didn't know that God would forgive me no matter what I've done. Brothers, sisters, I, I want you, if that's you, I want you to just pray, just ask him. Just pray with me and ask him to come and change your life and start a relationship with Jesus, with Yeshua, the Messiah. Father, we, for, we ask, we repent of our sins. We come to you and we ask that you would make us clean. Forgive us. I thank you, Lord, that no sin is too deep for you to forgive. No guilt or shame or condemnation too great for you to wipe away. Father, I thank you for making all clean who are listening to this. And I thank you for your spirit of fill. 
Lord, I pray for the knowledge of you and the knowledge of your righteousness and truth to fill hearts at the sound of my voice now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I hope that this message has blessed you. Share this message with the world. They need to hear it. Like this video and subscribe to this YouTube channel for more videos just like this one. And I'll see you guys in the next video. Blessings and Shalom.